Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is John D'Amico. Hello. And Jenna Ipcar. Hello. All right, this is our little Hello. 2015 Oscar episode. It has not aired yet, of course, but we're going to be talking about the nominees. Those just got announced recently. We have thoughts. We got takes. And uh, should we start with the biggest? Should we work small? How do you feel about... The, let's talk best picture. Let's tackle big first. We got Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, The Martian, The Revenant, Room and Spotlight. Creed, obviously, left off of there, which is kind of weird. That was a pretty big movie. Yeah, Creed is a, a weird snub, I think. Creed, um, the only nomination it got was Stallone. Yeah. Which he was good, but, um, I mean, he's very good in it, obviously. But and he's a sure, you know, win, yeah, pretty he's, much. Yeah, he's a lock, and, and rightfully so, but it's kind of... An injustice to the movie, I think, to to not throw it on the best picture pile and at least um, put Michael B. Jordan and um, Felicia Rashad and Ryan Coogler up too. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you got Stallone as a sure shot, you also got to have at least a nomination for the guy who directed him. But this is the second year in a row where every actor and actress nominated is white. Yep, and this is the year where everybody nominated from Creed and Straight Outta Compton was white. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of like an ugly, uh, ugly image of the year. Yeah, there's been backlash on online. There's been like Twitter hashtags against this, and uh, yeah, people seem up in arms, and rightfully so. Well, I think it's the biggest crime that Beasts of No Nation wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, because yeah. I actually think it was the Best Picture. Well, that, that was a definite snub, and I think that was kind of like a fuck you to Netflix. I think they were trying 100%, to... 100%, It yeah. was like a dividing line in the sand. It was like, no, you guys aren't one of us. Like, you're going to act like you're, you're, you're film, but you ain't film. Which you know? is such bullshit, because that was such a, a powerful film yeah. about a really yeah. interesting topic that you don't see covered typically. You know, everything else that's on this list for best film, it's like... They're all movies that we've seen before in some other way. Not to say, not to discredit these films, but like Beasts of No Nation, you know, I, you're hard pressed to find a movie about, you know, that shit that goes on in Africa, like all the time, still right now, you know, it's incredibly important. It was very well cast, wonderfully acted, beautifully shot. It's a beautiful movie considering how depressing it is and, and heartrending the topic is. Yeah, I think that's going to go down as like a really big snub for director and for lead actor Idris Elba and best picture and you know, you could even throw cinematography, cinematography in there too. That, that'll probably go down as, you know, one of the biggest snubs alongside with uh, Creed. They could have nominated the main kid, you know, uh, considering we have all these old, you know, go back all these child actors that end up winning and it's always for them doing something magical. Mm -hmm. And here's the story that's just so goddamn down in the dirt gritty and disgusting and real and yeah. this kid gets totally what do you mean something magical i don't know like i'm like i feel like the the children roles that, that typically get nominated or that pe they get all of this like you know to do around them are stuff that it's like usually like the kid rising above everything because of their innocence and their beauty and and like that's a theme that you see a lot in movies about children and and this movie just doesn't bother with that and i liked it i'm trying to think of those now the only kid one that's really popping to mind for me is um the professional and i don't know why i can't think of other kids in other movies now 
It's certainly someone has put another child in another movie somewhere. Well, um, that movie, it was in it last year uh, about New Orleans. That little girl got uh, nominated. Be, uh, oh, yeah. Beasts of the Southern Wild, which is yeah. fantastic. I fantastic didn't actually see it. Movie. <laughs> but that was, yeah, I get you mean magical kid. That was a better movie than Beasts of No Nation. Beasts of the Southern Wild. If I had to pick oh, the Beasts movies, movie. I would go Beasts of the Southern Wild and Beasts of No Nation and possibly Beastmaster. Pan's Labyrinth, which I didn't like. Yeah, I wasn't blown away. But that that's one. another magical kid movie. Even yeah. though she's, it gets darker. But you know, and then it's I don't her remember fantasy the stuff. kid really getting a lot of praise for that one, though. She I mean, I remember the movie the getting movie a lot did. of praise. So, what would you guys' uh, best films of the year be? So, imaginary and real, right? Because out, out of this list, The Revenant, imaginary, yeah. Beasts of No Nation. <laughs> I love The Revenant. Loved it. I think it felt like the best of, of every movie Inaratu's ever made. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, he I feel really so bad learned. for it for that backlash too, because it's such bullshit backlash. What backlash? Oh man, everybody's so down on the Revenant now. They're claiming like, you know, there's all this talk about how it's like empty macho posturing and what? like it's the ad campaign is so bullshit. And they're like, just fuck off. It's like a great movie. I have to say, I was annoyed by all the ads and all the buzz about it. Oh, it's so violent. Oh, it's too violent for this world. Nothing in it really made me cringe, you know, nah, more than either. any other movie. No. Nah. But what I loved about it was all of those. It was like a two and a half hour chase, this, a slow chase. And it's been so long since I've seen a slow chase movie like that. Like, I'm trying to think of it like Master and Commander is kind of like that, which is what I liked about Master and Commander. But that's those sort of like slow moving. Yeah. Getting from somewhere and then having to go like, you know, walking, seeing the vastness of the earth. Like the searchers. Yeah. You know, just like going and then ending in that sort of revenge was, was interesting and, and great. Tom Hardy was fantastic. I thought Hardy was the best part. My thing with The Revenant is I actually really liked it, but I think it's better when it's trying to be the gray than when it's trying to be Tree of Life. Like there's a lot of sort of abstract interludes that I thought none of them landed for me. They were all pretty goofy. I would I would like to see the movie recut without any of that stuff. It Just was, sort of all in like the tactile now. I thought that it made sense with Leo's character just because he's this white man kind of dabbling in what he doesn't really know, but he has like at least a foot in. And I thought that it kind of worked with that character. But I agree. It was a little it was, it was you know, yeah, it was a little cheesy. But it didn't kill it for me. No, not at all. The good stuff was so good that it was worth, you know, putting up with 20 kind of dumb minutes. Is Mad Max your pick of the year? Oh, God, no question. Yeah. Mad Max is um, far and away the best movie of the year, I think. I saw it again the other day. And I mean, I might be calling it the best of the decade at this point. What? It's so beautiful and so ambitious and so smart and so funny and like, intense without being cruel all at the same time and i mean i think it works in every possible way i don't think it misses a beat at all that's actually the only one i've seen of the best picture nominations i'm still catching up on a lot of these jesus christ dude well you guys are stealing them online i'm not stealing them so no i went to go see them you see you went to go see all of these uh yeah, except for Brooklyn. Who's stealing I saw things? It, I I saw Fury Road, The Martian, and Revenant in theaters, and uh, Spotlight in theaters too. And then the others, you know, I didn't see Spotlight. They or floated Rune. my way. Spotlight was really good. I like Spotlight a lot. It's very um practical. That's a practical movie. You know, it doesn't dress itself up any. My number one of the year in in my mind, which I I wish had gotten a nomination actually, was Anomalisa. And uh, number two, probably Tangerine. Tangerine's my number two also. Yeah. Tangerine's spectacular. Tangerine didn't do it for me like that. I like Tangerine a lot, but it wasn't my favorite movie of the year. I think Steve Jobs would be my second pick, actually. Steve Jobs I liked a lot. Yeah. Steve Jobs seems to have slipped a lot of people by, and I think it's because there was so much Steve Jobs stuff in a row. But it really was really good. It was shockingly good. Yeah. If it wasn't for that first crappy one that came out, I think it would have done a lot better. Yeah, and the documentary in between and all that. Like, mm-hmm. it was just, it was saturated. Anomalisa, though, I do not understand why you oh, I adore that, that film. so hard. I can't deal with Anomalisa. Oh, it's so good. I, I missed it. I have to, I'm, it's on my list. I'm going to see I it. Can't, I mean, it's beautifully shot, but I can't deal with all these fucking sad, bitter men movies anymore, you know? <laughs> I'm, you, I'm on that boat, actually. You're on an extrovert kick. You want you want extroverts in film. Yeah, I'm tired of movies about people who are just sort of like sad and don't really do anything about it and it makes them mad and we're supposed to relate or like see ourselves in them or something because I don't and then it annoys me like the presumption that these are the type of people we should be making movies about. 
See, I have this tolerance for that when it comes to Charlie Kaufman stuff that I don't really have for, you know, in general. Like, I think this was the worst Kaufman movie. Really? I think it was his... Well, Synecdoche is my favorite, but this is number two. What's frustrating about it is he starts to tell another movie in the middle of the movie, and that's the better movie. You like that one? That would have been, I think, a much better movie, because it's a clearer... The whole thing was, you know, just a big metaphor or whatever, and that was a clearer, better metaphor. That was something I think you could have done way more with. There was way more conflict in it, way more um, absurdity in it. It was just a better story. All right. I loved it. I thought it was great. Y'all listening should check it out. I think Chappie, you know, I, I loved Chappie. And I think that was an interesting snub for like visual effects stuff, because you look at a, the the acting that he did and what they turned, you know, him into. If you look at like the uh, behind the scenes stuff, that was immaculately done. You know, usually that kind of like, a, you know, Jar Jar Binks style of inserting people can go either way. And I, I thought that was that looked gorgeous. Yeah, but I'm looking at the effects list now, which is Ex Machina, Mad Max, Martian, Revenant, and Star Wars. And I think every one of them had yeah, better that's, effects. Yeah, that's stiff I mean, maybe Ex Machina, you could, you could swap those out, maybe. But every one of those was, the effects were really spectacular. Looking at it now, this was a pretty damn good visual effects year. The trouble with visual effects now is you're not going to have a front runner anymore, I feel like. Yeah. Like, effects got so good that, you know, it's like pixel counting now. Like, I don't know that there's a meaningful difference between how good the effects were in Star Wars versus The Martian versus even Revenant, you know? Yeah, they're all right for what they are. Plus, once you hit that level of photo reel, what are you even comparing anymore? I feel like it's it's kind of uh, at that point where it's about who holds back the most, you know? Yeah. Who uses it in the right place at the right time and and beautifully constructed? Which really points to Mad Max and Revenant for me. Those were the two where the effects really were integrated so tightly into the story that like you can't even, I mean, Mad Max stuff was exploding and you, you go and you watch the makings of, and you realize that it was like six or seven different digital compositions and you can't tell at all. Yeah. They were integrated so well in that the people like swear that it was like all practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. People are like going to the grave saying that movie was all practical and it was not at all. And Revenant's the same thing where you have this kind of effect that I mean, the things that are special effects in The Revenant, you don't even realize they're special effects. Except that bear didn't look too real to me. No, nah, the bear wasn't great. They, we still That's like the one thing we still haven't figured out, like realistic animals for sustained. It's because they, they, it's fur. They, they don't get the movement of fur right. Yeah. And then the, the coloring of fur, it's very, even fake fur doesn't look real, you know what I mean? Yeah. The bear was good in uh, Backcountry. Did you guys see that one? I think that was either this year or no. year before. It was a, you know, cheap horror movie uh with like eric balfour and uh the the girl from that show reaper which is a pretty good show a couple of years back but um you know it was a bear survival horror one and very very low budget but they kept the bear cgi to a minimum which i think that that's kind of what you have to do See, with this that. they couldn't have done that yeah of course this was um you're probably staring at the bear for like six or seven sustained minutes right in an unbroken shot which the fact they pulled it off as well as they did for that is pretty remarkable. But it, that was the one thing where I was like, all right, his acting maybe didn't another help five either. years we could. I don't I barely even remember his acting in that bit. He has he gets a little too dramatic. But then again, I've never seen someone mauled by a bear. So maybe I would scream and flop around like that. Who knows? <laughs> you probably would. If I, I mean, had to guess, I'd probably bank on the screaming. This yeah. is whenever the bear bites him on the back and then he all of his limbs move up. Like as if he was doing this gym move because the bear is like on Jim top Kata. of him. Oh, it, I know what you're talking about. That I actually kind of got that though. Like that felt real to me. You know, like it's almost like an electric shock. You know. Yeah, he he treated all it those, more like electricity, which yeah. I can I can see. Which I think makes sense. I mean, all those nerve endings are just fucking firing like crazy. I feel like you would every muscle would tense up. I feel like they've got, they've got some guy who probably has like one arm, and he's like, "All right, Leo, this." This yeah. is what you're going to look like. <laughs> I'm sure they did a lot of research for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it, like that's the thing with some stuff where like the realer something actually is, sometimes it can look faker. Yeah. Like that's probably closer to somebody's actual experience, but yeah. we don't know, you know, so it looks right. fake to us. Yeah. It's not movie real. Yeah. Let's, let's tackle actor and actress leading, uh, actor in a leading role. What are, what are our picks I'd, for that? I'd give it to Fassbender. Yeah. He, he, you know, for some guy that does not look anything like Steve Jobs, 
He just was really convincing. He really does look like him in that. Yeah. Like he pulls it off. Just a vibe. His vibe, his vibe, 100%. He, you know, you get a really great sense of who Steve Jobs is without whitewashing it. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't come across as like a nice guy, but he doesn't come across as a major dick. Like he is a dick, but you know, there's not like, he's not playing it evil or good. He is really playing it like this sort of pompous egomaniac nerd. He plays it like Mozart in Amadeus almost. That's an interesting comparison. Where like it's just a compulsion. I thought that was really the most interesting about it. Like his perfectionism was like a compulsion. Right. Like there was nothing he could do about it. Yeah. And even, and that's also, I love that movie that they, you know, they show him failing like that whole movie, you know, like the structure of it is that like the 15 minutes before each Macworld expo and that's all you get. And I love that they don't show you the goddamn presentations, you know, like there is no moment where you're like, all right, I got it. Yeah. And then he invented this. The only, the end was like that for me. But that was like like five minutes before this Uh, and and it's great. It was all right. I, you know, I was, I I thought I kind of liked that because it was like he, finally he was doing something for his daughter, like overtly. Yeah. So it was sort of a character beat that worked, even though, yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, a perfect bow. (laughs) Yeah. Like, come on, guys. You guys weren't crazy about DiCaprio in uh, Revenant, right? You guys were more into Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy was much better. Tom Hardy was amazing. I mean, DiCaprio did fine. Certainly. I didn't see a reason that we needed DiCaprio in that. I have to admit like he, yeah, he did totally fine, but there was no moment where I was like, thank God he's in that role. You know, like it it could have been anyone kind Mm. of, whereas Tom Hardy, I didn't even realize was Tom Hardy until like half hour into the movie. Yeah. I don't think anybody (laughs) else could have done what Tom Hardy was doing. And a lot of people could have done what Leo was doing. It's just a commitment thing. Yeah. But, um, looking at it now, I mean, I could probably drum up five other actors I'd rather see on the list than him. I feel sort of bad about. Well, there's some of them. Well, I can't believe, I mean, the movie wasn't great, but I can't believe Samuel L. Jackson didn't get nominated for Hateful Eight because mm-hmm. he's spectacular in Hateful Eight. I mean, he really... You think that's his best uh, Tarantino work, maybe? I think it might be his best work. Really? And it's not a great movie. It's not one of his best movies, but he does not miss a beat. And it's a really kind of complex, almost to the point of being confusingly written character, but he draws such a perfect through line through everything. And he's in, you know, all of it. He's holding the whole fucking thing up. And Michael B. Jordan is, I think, a big miss for them. Right. Michael B. Jordan might be my pick for the year, flat out. He was just unbelievable. And um, I would actually throw Tom Hanks up there. I mean, I know we don't give need to give Tom Hanks any more awards, but... Yeah, he did a great job. He did, yeah, he did great in uh, Bridges Spies. Spies. And maybe, I mean, it's probably supporting. I don't know if it's leader supporting, but Benicio and Sicario mm-hmm. was tremendous. He was terrifying in that movie. You know, and Josh Brolin in Sicario. You know who else I'd throw in there is actually Oscar Isaac for Ex Machina. Yes. That's a, great, that's a great pick. He made that Tremendous. whole movie. Yeah. And I, I, as you know, you guys know from previous episodes, that movie, I unfortunately didn't really do it for me, but um, he was outstanding in that movie. Yeah. If it wasn't him, so, I probably would have liked that movie way less. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, he really made it. So predatory without ever like coming out and being aggressive. Yeah. You know, like from the beginning, you know, this is going to be a fucking problem. Yeah. It's just, I think such a hard thing to do. And he really typified a type of man, you know, yeah. and it, it was just, but while being uh, individual and unique. And that was what was so great about yeah. it. A lot like Fastbender and Steve Jobs, actually. Yeah. Similar kind of a, kind of a vibe. All right. Actress in leading role. See this one, I unfortunately have a problem with because I haven't seen like any of these <laughs> Like, I saw Brooklyn and I really wasn't impressed. Yeah, I haven't seen any of these either. Brooklyn was a cute movie. I liked beats of it. I liked, you know, you kind of hear some stuff in Brooklyn that you don't typically hear about, like, women and why they make choices and how they make choices for for romantic interests and stuff like that. And that, you know, I kind of like that part of it. But the movie wasn't, I don't know why everyone's going crazy over it. My thing with this list is that I would argue three of the supporting actresses were leads and one of the lead on this list wasn't the lead. I think Jennifer Jason Lee was a lead in Hateful Eight. Kate Winslet was a lead in Steve Jobs. And Rooney Mara, not Kate Blanchett, was the lead in Carol. And I guess, I don't know why they flipped it around like that. They also totally left out Charlize Theron, who was, deserves yes, it. Yes, huge snub. She, yeah, that's a big she snub. She was spectacular in that. And Julianne Moore and still Alice, you know, that was yeah. like typical Oscar bait. I don't know why they didn't go for it. She did a great job. And I would say Ariel Holmes in Heaven Knows What, which I think was probably off everybody's radar, who was voting. She but was incredible. Yeah. She was just unbelievable in that yeah. movie. And um, 
What's her name? Kiki Rodriguez, the one from Tangerine. Yeah. Which also was off everybody's radar. Well, the two of them were incredible. See, yeah. She didn't do it for me at all, but uh, Maya Taylor, who was the um, Alexandra oh, in Tangerine, great was great. I would nominate her for Best Supporting. Absolutely. I would pick... It's actually a really tough call. I think I would pick Jennifer Jason Lee for Hateful Eight as my number one from the year. And again, it's a movie that on that list is probably my least favorite movie of those movies, at least on my so it's new a, list. I mean, that's like a real actor's movie. Yeah, I mean, totally. that's the big takeaway from that is just performances. Yeah, but Jennifer Jason Lee, I mean, she was unreal in that movie. And she, more than anybody else, because it's a movie that the actors held together, she more than anybody else glued that movie together. Because the script was all over the fucking place and not that good. You think one of his, his worst? I think it was his worst script. Yeah. And I think if it wasn't for Ennio Morricone and how brilliant a cast he put together, it would be his worst movie easily, like by a long shot. I get tired of seeing Jennifer Lawrence and David O. Russell together. And just for that reason, I didn't see that movie and I don't want her to win. <laughs> well, they're milking that for as long as they can, it seems. It's been too long, two movies they, ago. They make each other worse. I yeah. Think. They, she, because she is a That's great like actress. That's like with Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait for them to stop making movies together. Yeah, well, they're gonna have to divorce. You know something. what it is? It's like Kanye and Jay Z. Like they're better when they're not yeah. collaborating. I know you're friends. It's fine. Be friends, <laughs> but just stay off each other's fucking albums. As for actor in a supporting role, I'm actually pretty okay with most of this. Tom Hardy, I'd be thrilled if he won, and Mark Rylance, I'd be thrilled if he won. Yeah, but it's gonna be Stallone. I mean, that's the sad thing is that there are other good performances here, but it's going to be Stallone. It should be Stallone. Yeah. Of course it should. But but yeah, Rylance was great. Tom Hardy was unbelievable. I would have given it to um, Leave Schreiber instead of Ruffalo for Spotlight. I think Schreiber was much more interesting. And he, he was very understated, which you don't really see rewarded a lot in these things. This is another one where they could have had Idris Elba for Beast of No Nation. Yes. Easily. Yeah. Uh, he deserved... He absolutely deserved it. And actually... Personally, um, I would even, I would probably get rid of uh, Christian Bale. Even though I like The Big Short, he wasn't, I didn't like him at all in that movie. I thought he didn't do a good job acting whatsoever. Right. He That's just, how I felt about him in uh, American Hustle. I thought he was the worst part of it. Oh, I didn't see that because I just hate David O. Russell. I, I thought he was just easily the worst part. Christian Bale is always acting, you know? I like Christian Bale, actually, but I just this, he, yeah, this was, it felt really fake. Like he I was meant to be him, think, like an, yeah. an autistic guy in, uh, or, as, or rather Asperger's in, in Big Short and 100% didn't, didn't pull land, it off, yeah. did not land. I think he's always performing in a way that I don't like. Like if you compare him in The Fighter to Stallone and Creed playing these sort of similar characters, these sort of like broken yeah. spectator slash family on the edge of the fight thing. Like Bale is always, you know, like... So he's acting. He's yeah. always doing, you know, he's doing a big fucking thing for you. And Stallone was just, I mean, it was so natural and so honest. Bale never feels honest. I've never felt honesty in any of his performances. I think Bale's best work was Empire's Son. Yeah, because Spielberg's so good at directing actors, especially kids. Yeah. But you know who really should be in Best Supporting Actor is uh, Donald Gleason, who our wonderful fan told me how to pronounce because I kept saying Dom Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Twitter fan from Donut Glazen. Donut Glazen. Because that guy was in every goddamn movie this year. Yeah. He was in every goddamn movie. And you know what? Just give him a goddamn nod. I wish you could put like a packet of performances together. For he these was things. in The That's Revenant. That's a good point. I like that. He was in Star Wars. He was in uh, Brooklyn. He was in Ex Machina. Fantastic in all of them. He was good too. in all of them. Well, Jennifer Jason Lee, she was in Anomalisa yeah. and she was in Hateful Eight. And she's terrific in both. Give her a packet. Yeah. And so different in both. I like I this. Mean, she couldn't be more different. Packet category. Oscar Isaac, he had a Most Violent Year. Oscar Isaac. He had Star wasn't Wars. That, last year? that was last year. but No, it wasn't. It was yeah. this year. No, it was last year. Really? I yeah. definitely saw that in 2014. No, that was 2014. I gotta Google it. Yeah, he was, you know, Force but, Awakens. I mean, your point is true with him, yeah. Same thing. There, He's the in every HBO, movie right The now. HBO, the yeah, HBO miniseries. Show me here, yeah. And Tom Hardy. He was well good in both Revenant and um, Mad Max. I like this packet category. I'm telling you, man, it's the way to go. Don't some award shows do that, or did I just make that up? I think you made it up, but I think it's a that's a damn good makeup. Right? It's It changes the whole game. The game is different now. All right, moving on to animated feature film. I mean, Anomalisa is the one I'm pulling for. It's going to be Inside Out, obviously. Uh, my Sleeper was the Shaun the Sheep movie, which I thought was fantastic. That was one of my favorite films of the year. I thought that was a brilliant film. I, I love it, Aardman. 
Yeah, it, it, that was the best Aardman anything for me. I have and to watch that one. It packed so much like weird social commentary into a movie with no fucking dialogue whatsoever. It's it was fantastic. I, I throw my endorsement. I miss that. I miss that in animated movies. Oh, it's incredible. You you're gonna love it. I so, saw Inside Out, which uh, you know I feel like I can't even say in this room because you guys are gonna shoot daggers at me. But it it was it was good. But it's like the same thing with Pixar. You know, it's like. It moves you, but I don't know that it like picked up on anything I didn't already know. You know, it's just like growing up's a bummer. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pixar doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I mean, Ratatouille was my favorite. I thought they peaked That was with their that. best one, yeah. And then everything since, it's been kind of meh. It was an interesting concept. I liked uh, Inside Out was at least was more original than their other stuff, I feel like. it, And, and it was less nonsensical than say like up which had a lot of cute moments but that movie was sort of incoherent yeah it was a short film and then attacked on yeah like thing like that's the thing i've felt with like recent pixar stuff is like they'll have a premise for like a short and then they'll extend it like past that like right. cars 2 is obviously that's like a short the monsters university that's like a short up was like everybody likes the the 15 minute whatever in the beginning uh inside out kind of like a short premise inside out kind of worked as it worked as a movie but it was definitely it was a little too specific to be relatable in a way because like it's about having these different like you know parts of your your brain you know and these are the voices that talk for you kind of stuff and it was like eh, i don't know like i feel like you know people are more nuanced than five emotions but what i mean is it's a premise that kind of like falls have two it falls apart under (laughs) scrutiny you know what are your emotions thumbs up thumbs down (laughs) drunk sober Oh, all right. <laughs> I um, I think Up was not a short film. It reminded me of a Korean commercial. <laughs> it's exactly what it reminded me of. Like the only part anybody remembers is exactly one of those commercials your aunt would share on Facebook where like, you know, some guy lives with his dog and then one of them dies and then he finds a fucking lamp that makes him happy and it's like selling insurance in Korea or something. Yeah. You know, and it's spread over 30 years for some reason. I mean, it's so fucking just fuck off. Fuck off. Just buy the insurance. Cinematography, we got Carol, Hateful Aid, Mad Max, The Revenant, Sicario. I cannot fucking believe Creed got boned for this one. Yeah. Creed had the single best shot of the year when um, he's projecting the Apollo Creed fight from the end of the first movie. And he's standing in front of Rocky and shadow boxing as Rocky fighting Mm. his father. I mean, that shot alone should have won it. That was a spectacular, spectacular piece of camera. Carol's kind of a weird choice for cinematography. Carol, I do not understand why it's in this category. Carol was, like, pretty good. I liked Carol. I didn't love it. But, like, the one aspect of it that I thought was dragging it down was the cinematography. Mm. It was very boring looking, very flat, very um, prestige television. Yeah, that should have been Creed's spot. I would, um, here's what I would do. Here are my picks for cinematography. I would do Creed which would be the first time ever that a woman would have been nominated for cinematography. Mm. Uh, I would have done Anomalisa. Yeah. Because that was The staggering. lighting in that fucking thing is perfect. Yeah. That's the best lighting I've ever seen in the, in the stop motion anything. Oh, yeah. That one in Paranorman, I think, are neck and neck for that. Mm. But I mean, I know I was kicking that around earlier, but that deserves something for that camera work because it was yeah. staggering. And then It Follows, I would have put up there, because It Follows, I think, had uh, an incredible look. It had this weird... Um, weird ability to make you feel like you're somewhere very specific but also nowhere you know like you knew it was detroit in the present but you also had this weird kind of like fairy tale kind of like netherworld feel to it that i don't even understand how they pulled it off Hmm. and i mean that scene where you see the monster for the first time walking towards her and she's in the um she's in the wheelchair the lighting alone in that scene and the um the pacing of when the camera moves was just beautiful I would have done those three, and then I would have kept Fury Road and Revenant. Yeah, Fury Road, Revenant, deserve it. Um, I actually would have also thrown in Inherent Vice. Ooh. I thought that looked really wonderful. That's a really good choice. I forgot about that. That was That that was was like a January movie. Yeah. See, that's the problem with January movies. These fucking January movies. (laughs) Sicario also was a really good one. That that had a a very beautiful look. It um, It was very creepy without having to, like, make it make you feel like it was doing something you know it had yeah. this this ability to just kind of like be creepy it's hard to explain yeah and frankly my oddball pick would be tangerine oh definitely i, w- I would have been okay with that because it would have been interesting but i i thought that the 
Well, they're interesting. That movie, like it starts off a little shaky cinematography wise and it gets really good by the end. And I think I would have just focused on that part and nominated. Why not? It was interestingly shot. I mean, the fact that it looks that good on a cell phone. Yeah. It's just, I I admire them shooting Tangerine on a cell phone a lot more than I admire, say, Hateful Eight going 70 millimeter. Oh, definitely. Or Carol going 16 millimeter. Those two, it's like, all right, fine, fuck off. But this one, it felt like you were, you know, getting a glimpse of something we all should have thought of five years ago. We skipped over directing. We should tackle directing real quick. Yeah. Big Short, Mad Max, Revenant, Room, Spotlight. They're fucking crazy if it doesn't go to George Miller. But this was another one with a lot of snubs. I'd give this to Revenant easy. It could go to Revenant. I think that's probably what he's going to go I don't think he deserves it. I think Revenant was gorgeous and really ambitious and everything, but there were too many like easy holes in it. Like I think there were 20 minutes that could have gone without you missing anything. And Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff I think really shouldn't be in this category. I think Beasts of No Nation got screwed. Beasts oh, of No time. Nation absolutely because to get that it. performance out of kids, Fukunaga is incredible. And Creed got screwed. Danny Boyle got screwed. He, I think yeah. Steve Jobs was wonderfully directed. Yeah. The pacing was great. See, I like The Revenant. I, I can't agree with that, but uh, and I'm happy Adam McKay got nominated because uh, he deserves it. Yeah, I didn't see that yet, but I, I have a good vibe off of that one. Big Short. I'm it's like you know, that. for it's a, a serious film that gets you that you can't leave that movie without being angry. And mm. for Adam McKay to, to get that emotion out of you, like, good job. <laughs> well, he got that emotion out of me with, like, the other guys, but for the wrong reason. <laughs> um, but if this doesn't go to George Miller, I mean, what's even the point of this award? Yeah. See, I, I'm not crazy about Fury Road, but I would go Mad Max Fury Road just out of uh, sheer, like, it, it's a movie that impresses me, even though aesthetically I'm not interested in it. Like, I, I adore what he was able to do but I don't adore actually watching it. What are your snubs? Snubs for directing Sean Baker, clearly. Yeah, yeah. I would go even... So much honesty in that movie. I would have appreciated uh, Kaufman and uh, the other guy, which I'm embarrassed I don't remember his name, because uh, two of them... It was Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it was Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Charlie Kaufman and Mark Wahlberg for Anomalisa. But um, yeah, the stop motion guy that he worked with. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a great pairing. Who was he? Where did he come from? He he did a moral oral that uh, cartoon network. Oh, really? On. Yeah. Wow, big jump from there to here. Yeah, I mean, huge. And uh, I mean, that's, that's that's like the stop motion version of um, that idiot getting Jurassic World off the back of Safety Not Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, except uh, Anomalisa was good. Uh, costume design we got, and documentary feature, and then we'll go to break and we'll do the rest. But uh, costume design, design. Nope. Go ahead. <laughs> They they bone some people on costume design. They bone some people mad hard. Yeah, especially because all right, this costume was a design, bone fest. It's Carol. This was a seventies key party. <laughs> well, Mad Max, I'm sure you're happy about for uh, yeah. I mean, costume here's, design. Here's but honestly, list. I wouldn't give this one to Mad Max. Okay, Carol, Cinderella, Danish Girl, Mad Max, Revenant. I'd throw out Danish Girl. I'd throw out Carol. I'd throw out Revenant. I yeah. keep Mad Max. I keep Cinderella. Had beautiful costumes. I didn't see that, but it sounds like actually it would. was a really cute movie. I it would com- completely, <laughs> completely enjoyable. That was Kenneth Branagh, right? Doing Cinderella? Yeah, he did Cinderella. I don't know, actually. He I can did. look it up. Jenna just looks so fucking serious. He did. He I did. don't know. I don't know. But they totally boned Crimson Peak. Oh, yeah. Crimson Peak was just staggering looking. That was a great looking movie. And as much as, you know, I didn't really care for it. And me and uh, Guillermo uh, have uh, mixed emotions about each other. But... You know, like that was the one Guillermo that I really. Yeah, it's it's a long. That was that was the only Guillermo that I really, from beginning to end, was on board with. That was, one, unless Mimic counts, which I think even he doesn't count Mimic anymore. I was he probably more, counts as director's cut. I was more on board with this and other ones, but it just it was a little too obvious, and I didn't. Yeah, like, I could see that. He starts with all his great ghost stuff, and he totally flips it, and he's like, "No, the really horrifying stuff is real world stuff." And oh, you're he's like, always no. pulling that shit. But I mean, like that's that's his shit for like the it. longest time. He I needs to stop ghosts. doing that. He more needs ghosts. to. I thought it really worked here. I thought it worked here extremely well because then you got to have Jessica Chastain, who actually, now that I think about it, should have gotten nominated for Best Supporting. You got to have her being like sexy um, Adam's family wife poisoning everybody. And like that, I think, was way more interesting than the ghost stuff. Actually, you know, I totally also didn't recognize her until halfway through that movie. Jessica Chastain as Morticia Adams is apparently like what I've been searching for my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) I heard fucking Teddy Pendergrass as soon as she started poisoning people. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think she got she got a little bone. She should have. Yeah, she she should have been nominated. Fuck it. 
Uh, Inherent Vice had great costumes. I'd throw that in oh, there. Oh, yeah. And then actually probably what would have been my pick is Man from Uncle. I love the costume that's design. A good, that's a good pick. That was the most stylish movie of the year. I would even almost give that, you know, for directing as well. Yeah, you're making me real interested in this one. I l- You bumped that one way up on my list. Friskin yeah. loved it. I didn't expect to. I don't like Guy Ritchie whatsoever. I can't think of a, a single Guy Ritchie movie that I was excited about. Loved Man from Uncle. I want to meet Guy Ritchie and call him Guy Riche over and over <laughs> until he storms out of the room. <laughs> I want to see that happen. I've been hearing great things about Uncle, not just from you, but from other people. I got to check that one out. Okay, but can we talk about the hugest fucking snub in this category, which is also a snub in a lot of other categories? Where the hell is Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the redesign to the Stormtroopers alone. Yeah, and Kylo Ren's mask. Yeah. I mean, man, that had beautiful costumes. I mean, they're they're certainly iconic already. You know, the fact that uh, people want that Finn's coat. Yeah, the jacket. Yeah, Yeah. like that stuff is just spectacular looking. Yeah, Finn's Finn's jacket. I mean, Poe's jacket, right? Yeah. Poe's jacket. Well, it's Finn's now because they're in a relationship. Got it. But Poe's jacket, that was that's instantly iconic. That's like top ten movie jackets, which is a very crowded field. Oh yeah. If you're (laughs) if you have a great movie jacket in the year twenty fifteen, I don't even know how you pull that off anymore, honestly. Yeah. That should have won. But while we're at it, I think that one got screwed over on um makeup and production design too. It didn't get nominations for any of those. And man, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's silly. Silly, flat out. Yeah, that's what right. it is. So the last one before the break is documentary feature, which, you know, they threw a bone to what happened Miss Simone, which I think was a Netflix one, yeah. which I think was even more of a fuck you to uh, Bisa No Nation, because it was like, all right, well, here's your little bone. We're going to throw you. Netflix is what you're capable of. Yeah. And it's like, no, fuck you. Bisa No Nation. Which guy. that should win. That yeah. really was a very good piece of work. But yeah, like it was, it was like salt in the wound. Yeah. And you liked Amy, right? I liked Amy a lot, but it was not nearly my favorite of the year. Right. I have to say what I would have, would have really liked to see in that, that category. And I actually haven't seen most of these. I really want to see Miss Simone, but, um, I loved listen to me, Marlon, which I've talked about several times. I Mm -hmm. think that would win in, you know, my perfect world. Um, I loved best of enemies. Yeah. We were going to have a whole best of enemies episode. We We, still might. Yeah, we still might. I I have always loved those two. (laughs) Love those two. And I love that they made a documentary about it. I love that there was like more information I never even knew about. Like I loved like the shots of Gore Vidal's bathroom with pictures. I mean, oh man, it was just so good. And the whole bit about Burr, which I never knew that. I mean, I read that book and I had no idea that was him in there. That was all wonderful. And did you see the thread? No. The thread was, uh, I've been telling everybody like best of enemies to see the thread because I think they're a good pairing. It was this year. I don't think anybody saw it to vote for it, but it probably was my favorite documentary of the year. It was, um, it's like 60 minutes and it's from the guys who did frontline episodes, but it's not a frontline thing. It's like a standalone. And it's just about, do you remember when the the Boston bombing happened and then Reddit went and tried to find who did it and found the wrong guy? Oh, yeah. And then like hounded this dude? It's about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's tremendous. I and wanted it, to see that one. Yeah, it pairs really well with Best of Enemies because they're both about just like the giant clusterfuck the media became. Well, like I just, you, you, it's all, it like almost could be like a sequel to it. Like William F. Buckley and Gore Vidal are just so, they're so intensely interesting. Yeah. And like, you know, William F. Buckley is one of those guys that I don't, I've probably hate him. <laughs> I don't agree yeah. with anything he says, but I love to watch him. He's and I'm interested in yeah. him. He's interesting because I truly hate almost every word that's ever come out of his mouth. Right. But like <laughs> the the National Review when he started it, I mean, he had like Joan Didion writing for them sometimes. And like he really gave like a platform to like a lot of really good writers. And, you know, he never the difference between him, I think, and like fucking Bill O'Reilly is like Buckley would never shy away from actually having a guest who really opposed him and wasn't a paper tiger right. on like he had uh, Black Panther leaders on uh, on his show and had like real interviews with them where they just yeah. sat down and like argued. And it's hard to not respect that. Mm. Exactly. Even if I think he was a fucking lunatic. <laughs> That's exactly. That's 100% how I feel about him. I'm like, I, I can't stand him, but I'd rather see more of him now than yeah. Ted Cruz, you know? Like, yeah. You're like, what? And like, you know, he was intelligent. You can't, Vi- you can't take Vidal that away from him. just destroyed him, though. <laughs> I mean, but like, even before thing. the famous thing, like, in those early debates, Vidal just annihilated him. Just the sheer cockiness, the looks on both of their faces. Oh, like, yeah. you got, everyone needs to watch this documentary. It's on Netflix, and it's wonderful. That was a hell of a snub. Oh, yeah. 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 And you know what else I'd throw in there, what I really liked and I thought was cute, was Do I Sound Gay? 
Oh, I heard good things about that. It's a cute movie. I saw the trailer. I, know, I, that's like one of my favorite premises for a documentary. Isn't that another Netflix one? No, it was in the theaters. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I feel like all these I'm only finding through Netflix. Now. Yeah, same. I guess Netflix is my big documentary. It, yeah, I was playing at IFC warehouse. for a long time. Huh. But um, I like that movie because it it starts off with kind of a funny premise, you know, and kind yeah. of a cute premise. And then he actually managed to really broaden it. And it's a really great documentary about kind of like, uh, like hating yourself. You know, here's this, this guy who's like, maybe I'm sound too gay, which is why I can't get a boyfriend. And then he goes into this whole, like, is there a gay voice? And what's interesting is that, you know, like basically, and he starts to do uh, speech therapy and he starts to like question everyone. Like, is this good? Is it bad? Like, why do I hate this? And they really do get into it. And they also come to the conclusion, all the scientists say that there really isn't a gay voice, which is kind of interesting. You know, they say that like, if you actually like record men speaking and then blindly play it to people, people guess incorrectly as often as they guess correctly. Really? Yeah. That's really is, interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because, and even, you know, the guy who makes the documentary is like shocked, you yeah. know? And so it's like this very interesting kind of going into like what makes people, you know, hate certain things about certain people. And what makes you sort of question things about yourself and insecurity. And then it also even talks about the whole fact that, you know, anything that's vaguely feminine is, is hated in society, you know, which is why that sort of idea that like, oh, it, it's a gay voice because it sounds like a woman's voice, you know, and, and like. Well, it doesn't sound like a woman's voice. It just sounds well, like. Well, this sort of like that if it sounds more sing-songy than it sounds like. The intonation. And, you know, yeah then, yeah. then that's like what's hated and even gay guys don't like it. And so this is, it's, it was interesting and it was just more yeah, layers than, than anyone would have expected. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. It was cute. It was well done. So I would, I would at least recommend seeing it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a winner, but it was, uh, it was good and it was of note. You All know, right. another one I love this year that, um, I guess it's TV, but they're, they're one off. So I hate the fact that they have to be TV. Um, but 30 for 30 is chasing Tyson. I thought it was oh, spectacular. Yes. And I feel like, I mean... That's a hell of a pick. I wish they could count because 30 for 30, I feel like every year would just be swiping this category. Yeah, they would win every year. I mean, but that would, they're, they're that probably was the best, best TV show of the modern yeah. era, 30 for 30. And yeah, Chase and Tyson was spectacular. So well done. And one, the great thing about 30 for 30 is that you can not give a fuck about yeah. sports whatsoever and you will be engaged from start to yeah, finish on I, most I, of them. I put it on... Um, we had like a big family dinner... Um, a couple months ago and it was my family and then uh, my sister's husband's family. And it was, you know, like a ton of people and it was people who, you know, me and my brother-in-law like really like boxing and yeah. both really like Tyson. Nobody else really gives a shit. So we put on Chasing Tyson because it was on TV and we were just sitting there and like little by little, everybody would start to trickle over. And it was all these people who aren't boxing people and some of them aren't even sports people at all. And like everybody was getting swept up in it. Yeah. Is it really, it's just such an interesting story. Oh yeah. And somebody said the other day and it really stuck with me. And I think it's really probably very more accurate than film people even think that, um, sports might be the last place where pure unexpected drama still exists. Hmm. Cause you know, like every movie, you feel like we've just gone over ground so many times because how can you not? Right. But like sports is always that sort of brownie in motion in it there's always that unpredictability that you don't get anywhere else and i think 30 for 30 has done a great job of pouncing on that there was a uh, fox catcher 30 for 32 this year yeah. that was quite good yeah i didn't see that yet was that good it is good but the tyson one was i think that's one of their best yeah it's it probably top five. i mean we're calling it the tyson one but really it's a holyfield one but it's called chasing yeah. tyson yeah but it, it, it tracks a holyfield career for holyfield for doing that to him <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Oscar thoughts. See you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, the Smug Film Podcast is brought to you by Jay Brunner at Bobby Slow on Twitter. That's the name Bobby and the word slow. Follow this guy on Twitter. He supports us on Patreon. Good man. Good tweets. If you like funny things, if you like people that exist, he's certainly one of them. So uh, check out his stuff. Follow that man. Enjoy yourself while doing so. Also, if you haven't checked out Minor Key Games, do yourself a favor and do that. Minorkeygames.com. Great computer games. Cheap, too. They're always doing some sort of sale on there. I love their games. Super Win the Game. Eldritch. You Have to Win the Game. Neon Struct. These are good games, folks. They're made by Dave and Kyle Pittman. And they support the show via Patreon. 
and you should check out their stuff. MinorKeyGames.com. Our other sponsor is, of course, Rick Harper. Room Full of Spoons, his upcoming documentary on the movie The Room. Find out all about it at roomfullofspoons.com. He talked to damn near everybody who had something to do with The Room. It's amazing the work that he put into this and his crew. You've heard him on the podcast. He's been on a couple times. He's a great guy. He's supporting this show. So check out roomfullofspoons.com. And now, back to the show. Hello, Smug Film fans. Did you know that Smug Film now has a voicemail box? Just call the following phone number. 718395-9711 and leave a question or a comment about the show along with your name, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. All right, we are back. We got ourselves a little voicemail here, and then we're going to get back into the Oscars, but let's play that real quick. This is Dan Salisbury, and this is Jazz for Jenna. All right, a little jazz for Jenna from Dan Salisbury. How come the rest of you aren't sending me jazz? Yeah, send, I like this. Let's do a little hashtag jazz for Jenna. I want some bebop next time. Yeah, just send her it on Twitter and also just record yourself playing jazz or, or something like that. A little jazz for Jenna hashtag. I'm involved campaign. in some jizz for Cody. <laughs> <laughs> jizz for Cody. Just send me Star Wars music <laughs> that's uh, you know actually played yeah. by aliens, and that'll be jizz for Cody. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks for your jazz. Send yeah. members of the Utah Jazz one by one. Just send me a member of the Utah Jazz. You should follow the members of the Utah Jazz on, on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, jazz for Jenna. I like that. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I've, I've done some jazz things before in the past. I don't want to talk about them. Smoked some jazz <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most high-pitched laugh I've ever heard from John Domingo. Got me, man. Jazz cigarettes. It's jazz funny. cigarettes. All right, so... Let's go into film editing, folks. I like this category. I've always liked this category. I like a good edit. It's it's a good uh, it's a good thing to happen when making a film is to edit it, and uh, it's good to award things to those who do that. And we have the Big Short, Mad Max, Revenant, Spotlight, Star Wars. You were saying you feel Revenant's a little long. Yeah, I don't think Revenant was particularly well edited. Yeah. Yeah, I um, wouldn't give it editing. I also think Spotlight. It's kind of interesting to see it here because it's very unadorned but which is kind of nice because it's nice i think every now and again to like reward a movie that doesn't gild the lily yeah you know spotlight's very they're they're very smart about letting scenes develop like at your mental pace especially towards the end when when you start to like see the scope of the investigation i think a lot of editors would be tempted to punch up certain moments and spotlight it's kind of interesting how little of that they do also along that lines I'm a surprise you here is a movie that I think got snubbed for editing. Carol. Really? Carol was very well edited. And you're not Mr. Carol. No, I'm not. But that movie definitely should have gotten an editing nod. It, it was the same sort of thing as Spotlight and probably a little better at it, actually, where it was just like it didn't rush itself. Hmm. It was very smart about when it cut. It's one of those movies that have felt like anytime the angle changed, it had a reason to change. I was like, you don't see a lot of that you, anymore. Yeah, that's like the kind of like film school one-on-one thing that people kind of ignore. Yeah. But it, it really does help. Yeah. But Carol really, it did feel like, you know, whenever the camera moved, there was a reason. Steve Yobbs should have been nominated for this one. Yobbs. Because that was such a lean movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was well edited. And it could have been so fucking slow. It could have been awful. And it was snappy and quick in all the right ways. Uh, didn't There was no scenes in there I thought were, were useless. Yeah. Sicario, I thought, also had really good editing because it was um, it was so eerie just on like the basis of how long shots would linger. Mm. You know, like it, 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 it had a very good sense of creeping you out, which is never rewarded by the Academy. But I think creeping people out is underappreciated in movies. I guess, you know what, in a way I would have given It Follows a nod for this, even yeah. though I, I didn't like It Follows, unfortunately, but uh, it was it was well edited, you know. 
Yeah, that same sort of, you know. It was long in the right places and short in the right places. Hello. And and The Martian, actually, I thought yeah. was, was well edited. Yeah, because did you read the book? No, actually. The book is super interesting in comparison to the movie because, like, basically all the same events happen in the book, except, you know, maybe twice as many things go wrong in, in the book. But, like, the book always feels a little um, more laid back because the movie knew how to sort of push the scenes in and how to how to get a rise out of you in a way that the book didn't. You think the movie's better than the book? It's much better than the book. Yeah. Which it, it's not like it's a bad book. It's a it's a fun read, but the movie the movie I think is like an A minus movie and the book is probably like a C plus B minus. The so book has terrible the, prose. Yeah, you're not one of those people who's like, "Oh, the book's always better." No, you those know? people are fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, I've hated that fucking <laughs> argument. No, the the thing about the book is um it's much jokier than the movie hmm. and like none of the jokes work. Ah. And every character other than Damon's character is horrendously written in the book because he really only knew how to write the one guy. Hmm. And then there's these bits where it goes to third person and that's when you can tell he's just not good at prose. He, I think the guy should just move into screenplays because he has a much better mentality for that, I think. Is that why The Martian was in the best comedy for the Golden Globes? Yes, because the book really the book is, a, is comedy. a comedy. Yeah. Because hmm. that was such, that I hated that because they screwed over so many good comedies. Yeah. It was such a bummer. It was like, man. And it was funny, but it's not a fucking comedy. No, there's no way that movie. I, I will. Ricky Gervais, I have to say, I didn't watch that whole thing. I, I like turned it on for five minutes and it was him saying like, and now the hilarious comedy of the Martian, uh, you know, and then he like cuts to, he's like, oh, that guy's going to die. Ha ha. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, all right, fine. That for, makes editing, sense, for editing, I'm going to throw a bone to uh Sean, the sheep movie again, guys, if you are listening, check that one out. It's a tight little movie. I got to stress this again. No dialogue whatsoever. And incredible what they get across. So I, I would have appreciated that to get a nomination. Is that your editing pick for the year? Yeah. What's yours? From this list. All inclusive. From your list too. Oh, really? The I world's think, your oyster. <laughs> I think I would give it to Mad Max. Yeah. Good. Or Steve Jobs. I, those are my two. I, I don't know. Like... I probably because I like Steve Jobs better, I, I would give it to that. But Mad Max, if that wins, I'll be happy about it. I think it was also well edited. There was no like, unlike you know, the other Mad Max it, movies, um, actually. Silent, because they kept wanting to like put music in the in the temp edits and everything, and he wouldn't let them do it because he wanted the um, action scenes to be able to stand totally visually before mm. you even started adding music. That's a great. Nice. Technique. A really interesting. Approach, you know what? Yeah. I would go to actually kind of sleeper film editing of two two zero one five. <laughs> I don't know why I tried 25, to. 25, Yeah. No, I would go uh, The Visit for film editing, actually. Oof. Oh, yeah. I'm Oof. going there. I love The Visit. Oof. I didn't see it. It's great. Any great movie where they, they pause the um, narrative two different times to show you a child rapping is not my it pick for editing. It worked for me. <laughs> it worked for me. I don't want to see the movie now. That's all I need to know. No, but I just want to see... That's that was a hard movie to edit because you have to edit in the mind space of a child who's making a film. And I think it pulled that off really well. I think that's that's kind of a hard line to, you know, straddle. I think that's a little difficult. I see what you're saying. I don't think it pulled it off. I think it pulled it off. That's why I would give it a little bit of attention, maybe not a nomination, but I think that that's an impressive thing for a film to be able to pull pull off something that really does still feel like uh, you know, a tween made it. You know, it had spectacular editing that um, I'm glad to see it in this category because it got boned out of a lot of others. Star Wars, I think, was stunningly edited. Except for that fucking Conja Club shit. Um, that was all right. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a misstep. Yeah, Star yeah. Wars. But I, I agree was... with you but, for the most part. Um, I mean, like the 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 way it mounted and the way um, I mean, every reveal in that movie worked. And like, how many movies can you think of where every single reveal works, particularly when they have that many reveals? Yeah. I'm glad it got a nomination. Yeah. I mean, it was no Fury Road, which, uh, fuck every other movie ever made. Right. But it was, <laughs> it would really, probably be my second or third pick after Fury Road. I really don't get the Mad Max, like dire killer love. I don't get it. And I didn't, that's saying I, I like that I'm with movie you, actually, but it's cause neither of you have what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> you think you would survive the wasteland? Probably not. <laughs> the best part secretly of every single Mad Max movie is the way Australians pronounce gasoline, by the way. <laughs> Gizzoline. <laughs>
All right. Let's go to get the gasoline. That's why Road Warrior <laughs> up till now was the best Mad Max. This is the one where they said gasoline the most. Nice. Interesting fact there. Yeah. Gasoline. Original score, uh, Bridge of Spies, Carol, Hateful Eight, Sicario, Star Wars. Uh, you were saying you, you re-explored the Force Awakens score and you were digging some stuff, right? Yeah, there's a lot of great um, original stuff in the Force Awakens score. I, I think Ray's theme is really good. The other thing about this category is I have no earthly idea what Bridge of Spies or Carol is doing there. And where's Mad Max for this? Right? Mad Max yeah. got boned out of this. I didn't want to say it because I've been saying it a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm Max, with you there. The, at least they had a, a score that I noticed. That's one of the best things that it had going for it was yeah. the score. It Follows, I think, had the best score of the year, too. And I think if It Follows had a little more buzz, it definitely would have made it onto this you list. You know what I'm going to go for this? To Sleeper hit? Heaven knows what. Ooh, Hell yeah. of a goddamn score. That was a good score. You know what else? Um, and this will be an odd pick coming from me. I think Spectre had a great score. It was a flaming pile of fucking shit, but the score was beautiful. Right on. If that movie was just, you know, like silent shots of Daniel Craig in the soundtrack, it would have been a great movie. All right. Last two we're going to tackle is adapted screenplay and original screenplay. And original screenplay, you got something to say for that, John? Um, yes, I do. Original screenplay is the only nomination Straight Outta Compton got, which I'm be honest, I didn't see Straight Outta Compton yet. I will. But I think it's interesting that Straight Outta Compton and Creed, both the only nominations they got for anything were for white people. It's incredible. That's, uh, I think that's something that everybody needs to put under their hat and just know yeah. and keep an eye on. That's fucked up. Only things they got. It's yeah. pretty fucking gross, Oscars. I'm not into it. I actually would probably give this one to Ex Machina. Really? Yeah. I think Ex Machina had a, a really great screenplay. I would too. And it was... Um, it was really fun to see how it like teased information out. Yeah. Like it knew what you were thinking. The same way Moon, I think, was really good about this from a few years ago. Like it knew exactly what your suspicions were. Yeah, but better. It knew right how to, yeah, how to reveal it and how to subvert them. Yeah, I would go with that too. I'm not crazy about the like the last two or three minutes of that film. I think it should have I should I think it should have ended like two minutes before it did. But, yeah, it, it repeats itself a little, yeah. it feels like. But yeah. I'm not gonna fault the screenplay. Screenplay Actually, Bridge of Spies had a great screenplay, incredible. too, now that I'm looking at it. Well, that would be adapted, isn't it? But original screenplay, I would Wait, throw shit. in. Wait, Bridge of Spies it's, is it's original. Under original. It's original. Oh, Wasn't really? it adapted, though? Well, I guess it's adapted from a story, but I guess there was no specific book, maybe. Yeah. A little loophole Borderline. There. Borderline, everybody. Yeah, that's a little borderline. You know what? Um, I would have uh, thrown in The Lobster. But I don't know that I would have let it you win. You and your fucking movie that I don't believe exists. <laughs> I would have thrown it in there. It's an interesting, because I like the screenplay a lot. I just thought that he made some bad directing choices. I also would have thrown in Spy, actually, because I thought that for uh, a comedy movie... Spy, yeah, that's a good pick. It was a really interesting way that they sort of subverted the whole Bond takeoff. You know, it, they really changed it and they made it really interesting and unique. And I, I would absolutely give it a nod for that. I'd cram Creed into there. Yep. Creed, um, I think it was, it was really smart the way it, it sort of built on itself, but also managed to be its own thing. And I love that Tarantino was left off. Yeah, he deserves to be left off. He needs to be left off on one. He needs to, you know, go back to the drawing board. He needs to write something. This was the one he deserved to be left off for because this script was a fucking mess. His casting was so good. He's a better caster than he is a scripter. Incredible. He scraps are better than scriptures. (laughs) Um, And this one, I think the, the cast really saved him. An adapted screenplay we got. Big Short, Brooklyn, Carol, Martian, Room. And I, I would assume your pick for that's Martian, John. Yeah. You know, none of these particularly. Right. Uh, Martian I had a, did a great job adapting its screenplay, but I don't think The Martian is a success exactly because of its screenplay. I think the best things about The Martian are um, cast-related. See, my pick for adapted screenplay would be, and I, I would... I would assume you would at least acknowledge that you get a nomination, which would be Anomalisa. No, I don't think it should get a nomination. Really? No, I think it was a terrible screenplay. Ah, oh, I think it was ferociously good. I think it was such a fucking wiener movie. You know, it was just also like shit we've seen in so many other... F- I mean, like I've seen fucking Inside Lewin Davis and I've seen Kamiko the Treasure Hunter and I've seen um, A Single Man and like I don't need another... A Single Man was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need another one. I don't need another... You know, lonely. Jenna's gonna like fucking it. Fucking guy walking through an airport being it. sad I'm putting, about it. I'm putting my chips on Jenna. 
For adapted screenplay, though, the only thing on that list I would keep is Big Short. Everything else I'd throw out. I would throw in, put in Beasts of No Nation. Yeah. Yep. Steve Jobs. Yep. Which I also, that might have been original, but I think it was, there's so many fucking books about him. I mean, it's like adapted from a life, too. Yeah, come on. That's got to count for something. (laughs) Uh, Inherent Vice I'd throw in there because I think for oh, yes. such a, a crazy book, they they made oh, a really God, coherent yeah. movie. And actually what I would throw in there and maybe even choose would be Diary of a Teenage Girl, which I loved. They did such a great job at that. I, did you guys see it? I no, it sounds yet, like no. no. Loved it. It's basically like l- l- an inverse Lolita. It's Lolita being told from the girl's perspective. And oh, they did that's a really interesting. Really great job at it. So I would throw that in there. I'd it scope was, that out. That was such a standout movie. I didn't hear movie. anything about that one. I loved it. I was actually probably like one of my favorite movies of the year. Just really well done mm. and interesting and unique. And but like it, it, the thing about that movie was there was not. I think it really was the screenplay that I liked about it. You know, like the, there yeah. was good acting in it, but there wasn't that the actress was so great. And it wasn't that like, you know, it was shot so wonderfully. It's just like it was it was well directed and it was uh, really well written. So Spotlight was like that. Yeah. Which Spotlight is probably my pick for original, even though I would argue it's adapted. Right. Because it's, a you know, a thing. Yeah. Adapted's a weird, a weird. That's a, it's a tricky gray area. Yeah. Man, I don't know what to say about that. Because in my head, it would be Spotlight for adapted and Fury Road for original. Right. But like, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it's just Fury Road all the way for everything. Sounds like you to me. All right, guys. We have gone through them all, at least the ones we we felt like tackling. And uh, we're going to watch this when it airs. And, you know, maybe we'll have thoughts about what won. Maybe there'll be some upsets. Maybe there'll be some... uh, uh, What's the opposite of an upset, Jenna? Downset. Some downsets. You know what I get annoyed about is when people sit there and say, oh, the Oscars don't fucking matter anyhow. All right. Like, cause on one hand, absolutely. Yes. You know, they don't it, like, it's not like I'm sitting there like biting my nails to see what wins. And if what I don't yeah. think wins, I'm going to kill myself. No, like I'm really not that as excited for that. I'm going to literally kill myself. if Mad Max doesn't win. <laughs> I, that I believe actually, but I have to say that, you know, this, the, the whole controversy about how, how they've whitewashed the Oscars this year. It is true. You know, like it, it's not that oh, it, yeah. this yeah. stuff doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it does. It matters enough that, you know, this is a great chance to let these sort of lesser known movies shine. And of course, cause everyone stops and they go back and look at what won an Oscar. And but especially it's not when even you, a lesser known thing with this, I mean, Creed is not a lesser known movie than yeah. well, that's what makes 45 it even, years. Yeah. Of- that's what makes it even more horrific. You know, and especially people looking back at like, well, what was like a well-known movie from whatever year, you know, the stuff that rises to the top tends to be the stuff that wins these sort of awards. That's not necessarily true, but it, it, it does, you know, it, it helps boost things uh, for history. And so, yeah, like why the fuck, like, you know, and also it sure as hell helps actors, you know, so to, to leave off all of these great actors who are not especially white, especially Elba. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like why, like, you know, the, the reason why Jennifer Lawrence is, you know, in everything and keeps being nominated is because she already was nominated. Yeah, of course she's talented, but like, you know, the fact that she's also part of the group and in the clique is, is really, you know, how she's keeping and maintaining. And she's a very manufactured, uh, streep, you know, that's what it's becoming like. She's, she's that predictable, like, all right, we're going to create this, uh, this lady that is just going to get nominated all the time. Yeah, Are you I saying mean, that's what Streep is? Because it's kind of no, mean. No, a manufacturer. Oh, I was going to say. Streep is, is, Streep is, is Streep. There's no yeah. other Streep. Streep's good. Streep's good. This is a manufactured Streep. They're trying to make her into just, something she that just said, isn't. I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for Jennifer Lawrence because I think she really is very talented. And like three years ago, Mallory Ortberg said, I feel like we should all apologize now for in three years treating Jennifer Lawrence like we treat Anne Hathaway. <laughs> and I think like I can watch it like day by day becoming more true. That's true. But I, I mean, like I agree, like I don't I don't particularly think she needs another fucking nomination or another whatever. But I, I think it's wrong to take it out on her as opposed to take it out on the voters. No, I don't think that it's her problem. And I actually do think she's very talented. I do get annoyed that I feel like they are sort of pushing her into these roles that she's not even ready to do yet. Yeah. Like, why should she have been the lead in joy? My, well, my sister actually, I have to give credit for, she likes to bitch about how like they keep, uh, you know, casting her as like the haggard old, like 30 year old. And you're like, she's like 22, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. 25, like she's, she's so young and she just isn't that woman yet. Like, why don't you let her or number one, there are already women in their fifties and forties who are a 
amazing actresses that you can cast in those roles. Why the fuck are we casting this this young girl? Yeah. Number two, you're not going to like her when she hits that age. and <laughs> She's yeah. going to be some other 22-year-old that you're casting. You know, so it's all this, uh, you know, it's just lame. And it, it is manufactured with her because, and it sucks because she's actually not bad whatsoever. You know, so I don't know. But it, it does matter. This stuff does matter to a degree. You know, like I think it's, an, it, you know, you can't really dismiss it. And I think it is important that, you know, people challenge it and they bring up, you know, when when shit is screwed up, you know, like the only white people being nominated for straight out of Compton is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Or so Creed. What are your big, biggest upsets for the year? You think? What do you think are the ones that got boned the most in Beast of No Nation? I mean, like specifically for every pick one single nomination, one single nomination, director Kugler. Because if Stallone's are such a fucking sure thing, then you also have to at least nominate the guy who directed him and yeah. made him that sure thing. You got to at least give it that. It's like, I don't like the fact that Jordan's getting snubbed, but if, if I, if I have that one like yeah. pick, if I had to, ch- if I could change one tiny little nomination, it would just be Coogler best director. Yeah. I would go for Coogler over, over Jordan too. If it was yeah. down to those two. What about you? I mean, Beast of No Nation should be best picture. Mm. I really, I really do believe that. I mean, that's just, it's an important topic. Yeah. It's so well done. There is really nothing that it, it fails at. Uh, it, it's a well-rounded film. It, it, it's everything that Oscars typically choose for best picture, you know, except that it was made on Netflix. Yep. And so it's, that, I think that's really insulting. It's, it's just a fuck you to Netflix and it's so petty. It's, and it's so, so petty, especially when the stuff is, I mean, you know, and that's another thing too, it's, oh, it's just a movie, it doesn't matter. Like, but you know what, it's, it's giving people a chance to, to, you know, feel empathy for things that they, when they read on the news, they can't even fathom, you know? So I think it's important, it, you know, this stuff needs, these stories are not being told anywhere else. Like tell them. Well, yeah, he, he accomplished that really well with uh, Sin Nombre, his first film. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was. I said, yeah, not to the mic. You got to see so that excited. one because if you, if you like Beast of No Nation, you're going to love that one too. Uh, and I, I extend that suggestion to everybody at home listening. And uh, thank you all for well, listening. I didn't do mine. You didn't do, I thought you did yours. I thought you agreed with the director. I agreed with yours was okay. a good put, pick. Right. That wasn't mine. What's yours? Mine is, and it doesn't sound as important, but when you, the more you think about it, the more you realize it means how little attention is paid to the non-major categories. Uh-huh. Star Wars for costume design. Yeah. Like when you really think about that, because I'm sure when you set it, any of those people who pick those ones would be like, fuck, yeah, and put it down. Mm-hmm. But like, it's very clear that they breeze through all the other ones to get to director and uh, best picture and everything. And like, it's not right because it's an incredible amount of work to do costume design for a movie. You, you know, you owe it to at least consider it with the same seriousness as you consider the other categories. Yeah. And Star Wars is such a transparent front runner, probably at almost certainly the best pick of the year. Like, it just says that they didn't fucking pay attention. Yeah. And also production design for yeah. Star Wars, too. Yeah. And makeup. Yeah. All makeup, right. which didn't even get five nominees, by the way. It got right. three. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah, that's totally there's two terrible. more that could have been stuck in there. Come on, guys. Dude's just scribbling this shit down and, you know, he'll deal with it later. Yeah. yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you all for listening. If you got some thoughts on nominees or whatever, you know, tweet us. We will take a look at them. Leave us voicemails. We want to hear it. And uh, thank you all for listening. See you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>